Hey, welcome to Crosswalk Church. Today, Pastor Jeff is bringing you a teaching, so head over to crosswalkphoenix.com and find today's message under the worship tab. There you can download the Crosswalk notes to follow along. And now, here's Pastor Jeff. Are you, like me, afraid to break things? I, I, um, when I lived out in the bush in Africa, I found myself sometimes forced to break things in order to remake them so that they would work. When something wasn't functioning uh, correctly, it was, we, first of all, we had no phone lines really that, that worked. So I couldn't call a repair person and a, a drive into town was an hour to an hour and a half depending on the condition of the roads, drive back another hour to an hour and a half to bring the repairman back with me. And, uh, and then once he was finished repairing whatever it was that needed to be fixed, um, then, you know, another three hours going back and forth. And so, as reluctant as I've always been, I, I learned that one of the key attributes of someone who's, a, who's handy, who's, who's a good mechanic, is not to be afraid to break things. Because it's necessary sometimes to, to have to break things in order to put them back together again. I was, I was thinking about that when I read a story, because this is not, it just doesn't just apply to mechanical things. I read a story about an entrepreneur who had built a website. And this website uh, was generating six figures a month. It was a very successful website. And so they knew that they had to increase the capability of the website, and, and so they attempted a conversion to a new website, and it failed miserably. The conversion just did not work. It, it went from, the website went from generating six figures a month to something like three to 4,000 a month. He had employees, uh, he had people that he really cared about working for him, and he had to sit there and think to himself, do I, what do I do? And in the end, he knew what the answer was. He, he had to break the company that he had developed. He had to let go of the workers in order that he could come back and remake it the right way. And he did that. And ultimately, after a lot of struggle, it was successful again, but there was a lot of pain in the middle. He had to break it in order to remake it. Some of you have done this in your life. You, you can, sitting here, as you hear me say this, you can think back to yourself of times in your life where you've kind of pulled your life apart, you've broken it, and then you've remade it. As pastors, we, we kind of have a natural thing that, that happens to us that we're forced to do this. So, for example, when we went to Africa, we had to break our way of life here in the United States and move to Africa and create a new way of life. When we moved back from Africa, again, took a call to teach at Arizona Lutheran Academy, it wasn't just the cultural shift. There was a completely different rhythm and schedule to being a high school teacher and a high school administrator. I found myself having to, to break my calendar and all kinds of things, expectations that I had, and remake it entirely so that it would work, it would operate smoothly. As we look at what the Apostle Paul is telling us today, he's, he's really saying he had to break the mold 
for church. And it really began with his own being broken at his conversion. God, the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ coming into his heart was an occasion for Paul himself to be broken and remade so that he could work in the way that, that God wanted him to work. Now, now, here's where I'm going with this. Whenever you decide to break something, doctors do this sometimes, they re-break a bone to set it straight. You have to think, you have to step back, and you have to think, what's the true purpose of this thing? When that, when that businessman decided, I have to break this business that I started as an entrepreneur, entrepreneur and start all over, he even tells in this article that he writes, I, I had to step back and ask myself, what's my true purpose? What's my why? You see, because if you don't have a big enough why, if you don't know what your real purpose in life is, your God-given purpose in life, when you break something to remake it, it may not get remade any better than what was being done before. I, I heard someone tell me this this week. They said, you know, I, I, uh, I, I got a divorce. I, um, I moved to a whole different part of the country I completely broke my life apart and, and moved and changed everything up. I changed my job, I changed my schedule, I changed my home, and I thought, this is going to be great, I'm remaking my life. And he said, you know, I just forgot one thing, I was bringing me with me. And as much as I broke out here... I hadn't yet myself been broken so that when I remade my life because my heart had been broken and remade, it was truly remade in a new way. I think that's something that should challenge all of us because very frequently we will try to break the stuff out here to remake it without realizing that the very first thing that has to get broken is our hearts for God, and then once that happens, our hearts can be remade and our lives can be remade. This is really what Paul is telling the church in Ephesus, is that we have to break some things in order to remake this concept of church in a new way. And to do that, we have to understand why. One of the reasons that I finally developed a comfort with breaking things out in the middle of the African bush was I had a big enough why. You're not going to break things in your life. You're not going to allow your own heart to be broken until the why gets big enough. And that's why Paul delves today deeply into purpose. I want you to look at the title. It says, we are made for a purpose. Will you circle that word purpose? Because that's, that's going to feature prominently as Paul talks about things getting broken so that they can get remade in a new and better way, a way that truly works in the sight of God. So let's dive into Ephesians chapter 3. I love this chapter. I will tell you that very frequently we talk about Acts 2, 42 to 47 as being a model uh, for the vision of Crosswalk Church. 
and we encourage people all the time to, to read Acts 2, 42 to 47 so that you can see, okay, this is what Crosswalk is striving to become. This is the vision uh, that they got really from a first century church following Pentecost in Jerusalem that they want to bring forward into the 21st century in Levine and South Phoenix, Acts 2, 42 to 47. But I will also tell you that Ephesians 3 is right up there with Acts 2, 42 to 47 in terms of our vision as a congregation, as a church. And so let's, let's dive in. For this reason, I, Paul... The prisoner of Christ Jesus for the sake of you Gentiles. Just a quick comment there. Paul is imprisoned, likely in Rome, and he is writing back to this congregation that he himself has evangelized and planted, uh, but he's, he's in captivity, and he's writing back to them. That's why he calls himself the prisoner of Christ Jesus. The reason he's imprisoned is for the sake of the gospel. Now he says to, to them, and by the way, this is a, it's interesting, he goes into this really long side note, and I'll tell you when he comes out of this side note, but he's really saying, we're going to have to break the mold, and here's why. Surely you've heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. And I want you to circle that word you, because it's important for you to understand something grammatically here. That you is plural. So when he's talking here, he's not talking to individuals. He's talking to the collective group of the Ephesians, to the church, to the congregation. That's a plural pronoun. So it would be me, if I say to you and make this motion, it means all of you. That's what Paul is saying here. That'll become important. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation as I have already written briefly. In reading, then, in reading this then, you, again plural, will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations as it has, been, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. Let me just comment briefly there. What Paul is telling us is that God's plan of salvation uh, was a full-blown plan from the beginning, but in terms of its development before people, and as we're going to hear, even before uh, beings in, in the heavens like angels and demons, God did not fully develop the pictures like a Polaroid. And God knew what he was doing all along, but for us, it slowly developed. All right? It was not all made known to people in other generations as it has now been revealed to you by the Spirit uh, through God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. Now, I highlighted that part, but I want you to do something. Take your pens out, and I want you to underline the three times Paul says together here. The Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. This is critically important. If you know anything about the history of Judaism, you know that 
the Jews considered themselves to be a people set apart by God. And so they had all kinds of regulations and rules to keep themselves apart from other people uh, because they wanted to remain a special, uh, retain a special status with God, but also because they knew, even from Old Testament times, that they were to be a light to the Gentiles. So at least that much of, the, of God's plan had been revealed through Isaiah and other prophets that, that the Jews were to be a people that would shine like a light for God, and other nations who didn't know God would be attracted to this light and hear the gospel and wait for a Savior along with the Jews. Those Gentiles... Who, who began to believe and wait for the Messiah along with the Jews actually had a name. They were called God-fearers. And so these were Gentiles who had heard about the promise of the Messiah through God's special people, the, the Jews. But now Paul is saying, God is telling us to break the mold. And we have to remake the church in a way that we are fully integrated with Gentile people. And we are going to be, as he says here, heirs together with them, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. I, I told you that this chapter really forms a model for, for how we believe church is called to be by God here in the 21st century. And really, words like these are the reason why we characterize ourselves. And you've heard me say this again and again. You've heard Pastor Dan say it. We are a church for unchurched people. That's what Paul is saying here. That, that we want people who are not familiar with the gospel, who are outsiders from our perspective, to feel welcome here at Crosswalk and to be offered the opportunity through the gospel to become heirs together with us of eternal life, members together with us of this church, and sharers together with us in all the gospel promises of forgiveness, a new life in Christ, eternal life, in other words, write this down. Our purpose is to let unchurched people know that they are included in the promises of the gospel. That's our whole purpose as a church. And we're going to walk through some other purposes, but this is critical. Now, let me ask you this. What needs to get broken among us so that we can be the kind of church that really stands for unchurched people, that welcomes them warmly, that makes them feel comfortable here in our midst. And of course, there are, there are numerous little outward things that we do. You see them every weekend. We have greeters that greet people who are our guests with a warm smile and a handshake. Uh, if you have never volunteered to do that, let me encourage you uh, to, to sign up on your communication card. It is wonderful to, to be given the opportunity to just smile to someone and put them in the right frame of mind to come inside this church and hear this message. And greeters do that. The cafe does that. Our members serve to do that just because they're warm-hearted. 
And, and that's what we want. We want people to come into our church who don't have a church home, who may not know Jesus as their Savior, and feel as if they've come home, as Andy says every week on the video. Members together, heirs together, sharers together in Christ. What has to get broken? Well, number one, to, to be someone who's willing to stand out on the patio means you have to be a little bit broken. Broken enough to say, even if I'm a little afraid to smile and extend a handshake, this isn't for me, it's for someone else. We have to become familiar with the unfamiliar. And we have to be open to change. You've heard us say up here that we have a, a coaching network with other pastors. One of the things that we often encounter as we're coaching other pastors in our network is they want to be open to meeting people where they're at and, and, and having guests come in because this is one, as Paul says, of the major purposes of the church. And it's exciting to think about unfamiliar faces showing up at church, but here's what we find again and again and again. It's exciting until that unfamiliar face actually shows up, and they bring with them their issues, their problems, their struggles, and now we get really uncomfortable because that person is different from us. You see, that has to be broken in our hearts. We have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable if we are going to be a church for unchurched people. We have to love winning others over in such a way that even though there is discomfort and they're not where we're at, when we meet them where, where they're at, it's actually challenging and fun for us to be able to talk to them and see what the Holy Spirit will do. After all, it's not really our responsibility to change their minds, is it? Because the Bible makes it clear that it's the Holy Spirit that does that. The Holy Spirit works as they hear the law and the gospel from the Bible, and he is the one that actually does the changing of hearts and minds. That's not our job, that's his. But our job is to represent him, to serve him, and share the gospel, to let unchurched people know God wants you included in the promises. Let's continue. Notice the phrase that I highlighted. It dovetails beautifully with what I just said. God's job is to change hearts and minds. What's ours? Paul says, I became a servant of the gospel by the gift of God's grace, given me through the working of his power. I want you to underline this next phrase. I didn't highlight it because I left it for you to underline. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things." So you see that word administration there, and you know Paul is saying, I've been given some, some resources to manage. That's what administration means, is that, that you divvy up the resources. I've been giving these, this amazing wealth 
He calls it boundless riches in Christ. And God has given me the work of, of giving those blessings and those riches out. It's my administration, my work, my management, my stewardship. And I'm, I'm going to carry that out as someone who serves the gospel. Now, it's interesting because we often hear about someone who serves God. We hear about people who serve Jesus Christ. But Paul here says he is a servant of the gospel. And what he, what he means by that is, I've come to discover that my why in life is to share the gospel, the good news. Because in the gospel, the gospel is like a dish. And inside this dish called the gospel are all the riches of, of, of God's wealth, forgiveness, new life, salvation, the, the path to a new way of life, the ability to love God as we've been first loved by God. The dish of the gospel is, and so Paul says, I've been given this dish of the gospel. And, and my job is to take this and, and pass this dish around and administer these blessings to people, share them out, manage them. That's what Paul is, is saying. And he's really saying, this isn't just specifically my job as an apostle. Think about how Paul worked. Do you know where's the longest Paul stayed in any place that he went out? Right here in, in Ephesus. And do you know how long that was? Three years. Three years. I, I always think about this because if I did ministry the way the Apostle Paul did ministry, I would have been gone eight years ago and moved on to other churches to pastor them and start them. Most of the places Paul stayed, he stayed for only a few weeks or a few months, sometimes because he got booted out. But what got left behind were Christians. And, and it, amongst those Christians, usually there were uh, a few people who knew God's word well enough that they could be elevated to be leaders and elders of the church. And Paul then said, here, take this work, share it with all the members, and all of you become administrators of this dish, the gospel. All of you take the dish up and start sharing it around and pulling those blessings out. I don't know if you remember in the Old Testament when uh, the Holy Spirit descended on all the leaders, uh, when Moses was the leader and they started prophesying, and, and several uh, of the people ran up to Moses and, Mo and said, Moses, do you hear that all these elders are prophesying? Uh, should we tell them to stop? And Moses says, no, I wish that all of God's people would be prophets. Well, this is what Paul is saying. I, I started this. I started passing the dish of the gospel around, but now I wish that all of you would pick up the di dish and begin to share out Jesus and the Holy Spirit and all the blessings that God has to offer our creator, our father, and make plain to everyone. 
You know, like if Paul's goal is that everyone be shared, you know he's not saying, well, people stop. Don't think that you can ever be sharers of the gospel. He couldn't be saying that because what's, what's his goal? And to make plain to everyone. And the only way for that to happen is if he shares the bowl with others and makes new bowls of the gospel and everybody is out there sharing these blessings. So write this down. Our purpose is to be a servant of the gospel and point people to the grace of God. Do you see how many times Paul in there says, it's by grace I was given this administration. It's by grace. If you want to look at me, this is why I had you underline this phrase, I am less than the least of all God's people. Can I tell you where the willingness to pick up the bowl starts? something has to break. You will not be willing to pick up the bowl of the gospel and start sharing God's gospel blessings with others until you reach the place that Paul reached. Until you become the broken person that he became. I'm not going to dive deeply this morning into the whole story of Saul's conversion into Paul. Maybe some of you know it. Many of you probably don't. But suffice it to say, Paul had been on a completely different path in which he thought the way back to a relationship with God was through his own efforts, through his own goodness. And he had been taught in a school of thought, Phariseeism, that preached that kind of gospel that you earn your way back to God by your own goodness and your own works. And for Paul to reach the point where he could say, I am less than the least of all God's people and this is all grace, it's all God's gift to me, his heart had to be broken and remade. In order for you to pick up the bowl, you, you have to first start by asking yourself, have I, have I been broken? And what I mean by broken is, have I come to realize I, I can't make it back to God by my own works or my own ways? There's just no way. By broken, I mean, do you recognize with Paul that you are less than the least of all God's people? Do you, in your brokenness, recognize, as we confess every week, I'm a sinner? And I, I, I don't deserve to be loved by God, but he loves me anyway. Isn't that amazing? It's a gift. If, if in any of those things I just said, you squirm a little bit and you say to yourself, boy, that, that sounds so negative and dark, then you might not quite have reached brokenness. Because brokenness means that you understand that without God, you are nothing. You have nothing. And then once you're there, then God can pick up the pieces and put your broken heart and your broken mind, your broken self back together again, but not before you are shattered. 
Do you ever wonder why people who go through the, the most disastrous things in life all of a sudden, as my mom used to call it, find religion? Actually, they didn't find religion. You know what, what happened? Jesus found them. And, and the best possible place for Jesus to find you is in your complete and total brokenness. And that's why it's so beautiful to, to just stop and, and put down all the little things that we want to offer up to God and say, God, see what I did? See who I am? Just put all that down and just say, Jesus, I am a broken man. I'm a broken woman. Pick me up and put me back together again. You've heard of John Newton, right? Study his story. Slave trader. And did you know that when May 10th, 1748 hit, he was on a ship and it was being tossed and he was sure it was going to sink. Gale force winds. And he, and, and he had become an unbeliever even though he had been raised in the faith and he got down on his knees on May 10th, 1748 and he, and he prayed for God to help him and God stilled that storm. And John Newton, the slave trader, became John Newton, the pastor, John Newton, the Christian, first. And then he penned an amazing song that you're all familiar with, Amazing Grace. A broken man came to realize how broken he was and how big God's grace is. Let's continue. His, his intent, God's intent, God's purpose, God's vision was that now, and I want you to circle this phrase, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my suffering for you, Sufferings for you, which are your glory. Paul's saying, I'm in prison, yes, but don't, don't let that discourage you. That's not that big of a deal. I'm doing this because of Christ's love for me, Christ's sacrifice for me, and I'm doing it for you, you Ephesian Christians, because Jesus loves you and because I love you. And now notice that phrase, through the church, God's vision is that through us, through the church, all of God's wisdom, manifold means many-faceted, can flip pages, and there's pages of, of descriptions of the grace and the wisdom of God, can be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. Now, that's kind of a strange phrase, but real quickly, all it means is even angels, Peter says, long to look into these things. Earlier, he's talked about um, the, the, uh, the, the demonic forces. Later on, in Ephesians 6, he's going to talk about them again. What he's saying is, neither angels nor demons, as, as powerful as they are, even they don't fully understand all of God's plan. It's still being revealed to them as they observe what we're doing here in the church. And, and what is it that we're doing? God's eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. I highlighted that phrase, in 
Christ Jesus our Lord. God's eternal purpose is that we see that everything that we have, we have in Christ Jesus our Lord. And what's the big thing that we have? In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Flip the page. Let's write in our fill-in. Paul goes on and says, our purpose is to point people to Christ. Now, we point people to the grace of God, to the gifts that God gives us as broken people. But what that means is Jesus gave us these blessings by dying on the cross and by rising again from his tomb. And we need to point people to this specific person and to a relationship with him. He is the son of God, the savior of the world. So our job as church is to point people to Jesus Christ. That's why we talk about him every week here at Crosswalk. And why? Because Jesus is the one that allows you and me to come into the presence of God with freedom and confidence. Let me ask you this. Do you think that Malia and Sasha Obama walk into the Oval Office any differently from Vice President Joe Biden, or let me make it more personally, from the way you would walk into the uh, Oval Office? Do you think Malia and Sasha walk in there in a different way with a different mindset? I guarantee they do. Why? Because to them, they're just walking in to see their what? Thank you. Malia and Sasha are walking in not to see great and glorious and powerful, the most powerful man, you know, on planet Earth. They're walking in to see Dad. When you and I have a relationship with the Heavenly Father through Jesus Christ, how do we walk into his throne room? Do we walk in full of fear and, oh my goodness, this is a demanding God and all he wants is to take, take, take and he's gonna give me orders and I'm gonna have more work to do. You see, so many people's relationship with God sadly is like that. That when they think of God, maybe it's from how they learned about God as a young person. Maybe they grew up in a very legalistic church environment. And all they ever heard were the demands God makes. How holy and powerful God is. How exalted he is and unapproachable he is. And Paul says, we got to break the mold on that. And remake it because now you are God's child. And, and when you approach him in prayer, when you approach his word to hear from him, do it with freedom and confidence. Knowing that you are talking with dad. That's, that's all you're doing right here when you open your Bible every day is you're saying, I want to hear from dad today. What does dad have to tell me? I love hearing from dad. Dad loves me so much. When dad exerts his power and influence in this world as the one who sits on the throne, he does so on my behalf. He's, he's moving pieces around because he loves me. He loves his church. My dad is amazing. Don't pick a fight with my dad. 
He loves me. He cherishes me. I'm dad's favorite. And every one of you should say that. He loves me. He cherishes me. He exerts his power influence on my behalf. I'm dad's favorite. Now, we can have an argument if you want about who's dad's real favorite, but we can all say together, I'm dad's favorite. I want you to look at your neighbor, and I want you to say that to to him right now. Let's practice that. Look at who you're sitting next to and say, I'm dad's favorite. (laughs) See? A couple fights almost broke out on this side. (laughs) I want you to believe that deeply in your heart. Because that is what Christ gave you, and it allows you to approach God with with freedom and confidence. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I, and I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. I want you to get it, Ephesians. Do you understand how big God's love is for you? how long, how high, how wide, how deep it is, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. You know, in reality, you're never going to be able to wrap your arms around God's love for you. It's amazing words. That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. If you've been around Crosswalk long enough, you've heard us say two things repeatedly. Number one, we are a church for unchurched people. We want everybody to be included in the promises of God. Number two, we want everyone who encounters God in this church to become a fully developed follower of Jesus Christ. Our purpose statement, our mission statement says we are committed to teaching the Bible's words and promises so that the Holy Spirit will transform people into fully developed followers of Jesus Christ. Do you see what Paul's saying there? You Ephesians, you know what I want you to become? Fully developed followers of Jesus Christ. And how will you become a fully developed follower of Jesus Christ? As we keep teaching you this gospel, and the Holy Spirit works on your heart, he is going to give you the power, together with all of God's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled, fully developed, filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. That's what a fully developed follower of Jesus Christ is. That's what we mean when we say that. That you are filled to the measure of all the fullness of God by being taught the gospel. Write this down. Our purpose is to pray for God's people. This is what Paul is doing. For this reason, I kneel before the Father. I pray, he says twice in there. Our purpose is to pray for God's people that they may become fully developed followers of Jesus Christ. I know sometimes these phrases may catch you as, uh, you know, where did that come from? 
I hear that all the time, fully developed follower of Jesus Christ. Who made that up? And my answer is, the Holy Spirit made that up, gave it to the Apostle Paul, who gave it to us. That's the purpose of every church. That's our big why. It's why we sometimes break things. So that we can help people through the teaching of the gospel become more fully developed followers of Jesus Christ. And everything that we do at this church is, is built around this ideal of fully developed followers of Jesus Christ. And, and why does Paul pray here? Why does he say, why does he say, I kneel before the Father, verse 16, I pray that, Verse 17, and I pray that. Why does he say that? Because don't for a minute believe that this is easy. This is not easy. This is tough. And it is challenging. And it is going to require those of us who are Christians, who have been called to this work of sharing this bowl and fully developing people into followers of Jesus Christ to make sacrifices. Paul's in jail for crying out loud for the sake of the gospel. And Paul knows this. <laughs> I can't do this. And I hope every one of you, when you hear me say, our purpose is to share the gospel, to share this dish, this bowl, I, I hope you're not clapping your hands together and going, wow, now I'm clear. This is easy. I'm just going to do this. No, it's not easy. It's impossible. Because we are working against people's sinful natures. We're working against our own sinful natures that want to be comfortable. You want to be comfortable. Why don't you share the gospel with more people? Why don't I share the gospel with more people? Because I love being comfortable. I love the familiar. It's so much easier for me as a pastor to minister to the people that I already have. There's plenty of need right here. Bring new people in. You know what I know as a pastor? I'm bringing new issues and new trouble in. Let's just be comfortable and stop here. The only problem with that is God says, no, don't stop here. Don't allow yourself to get comfortable. Push yourself out of that comfort zone. And now, here's the promise. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Whatever is impossible with man is possible with God because we have a God. Do you see those words? Who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine from him. We have a powerful God. We can't even imagine what he's going to do for this church. You can't even imagine what he's going to do for you. you, you you're afraid to ask of all the things that he is going to do for you. But Paul says, that's our God loving and, and powerful. Let's bring glory to him. Write this in. Our ultimate purpose is to give glory to God who is able to do immeasurably more 
than all we can ask or imagine. Paul says, break out of your limited thinking. Stop with the scarcity mentality. Don't just get in your comfort zone and stay there anymore. You have a God who can do more than all you can ask or imagine. And here's the umbrella right here, 2 Corinthians 5.15. I went out of Ephesians to find it, but beautiful passage that encapsulates all of this under one umbrella. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Point your life toward Jesus Christ. And when you feel that inexorable, irresistible pull to point your life back toward self, point it back again to Jesus Christ. And do it every day. Wake up every morning and say, Jesus, today I'm not living for myself. I'm living for you. That's my purpose in life. You died for me that I should no longer live for myself, but for you who died for me and who was raised again. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much that you sent us Jesus to be our savior. And you have given this beautiful, given us this beautiful, this beautiful bowl filled with all the blessings of the gospel. And, and you tell us, take from that bowl yourself. Know your forgiveness. Know the grace I have shown you. Know that eternal life is yours as a free gift from me. But you also say to us, this is your purpose, not just to take from that bowl, but to administer that bowl, to share it, to manage it for the good of others so that they too can know Jesus Christ as their Savior. To give glory to God who has saved us, who died on the cross for us and rose again. Lord, may we be convinced that this is our truest, deepest why, our largest purpose in life. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, before we close, if you would like more information about Crosswalk or to listen to other messages, head over to crosswalkphoenix.com or come and see us. Services are held at Cesar Chavez High School at 41st Avenue and Baseline on Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. Visit our website for directions. And now, some closing thoughts from Pastor Jeff. I want to send you out today with just a very simple question, and that's this. What in you does need to be broken so that you can no longer live for yourself but for him who died and was raised again for you? Is it your pride? Is it your desire for, for comfort? Is it just fear of talking to others? But I want you to remember that God has given you a glorious purpose in life Whatever you have to break to serve that purpose, I want to encourage you, break it. Let me send you out with the Lord's blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with his favor and give you his peace. Amen. Have a great week in the Lord. We'll see you out on the patio.